This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And the reviews are in for opening night of the Democrat National Convention. Of course, these days we don't have to rely on headlines. We're, we're a digital world. So you know how real clear politics has an average of polls taken? Okay, I've got a digital service that gives me an average of all of the reviews of last night's opening night in audio form. See, to save us time. So here is the real clear opening night average of reviews. Very toss. Welcome back, best and brightest, I presume. I'm Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 one And, you know, it's, it's tough to disguise that the nature of enthusiasm and criticism, I mean, every sensation that I have, I wonder if you feel the same. The nature and, and magnitude of those sensations are very different for these two campaigns. I mean, I know, like Doy, but not just because I'm for somebody and against somebody else. It's, it's funny, even though, in a way, I've always been more excitable during... Democrat conventions, and I've been to all those too. When I went to all these conventions during my life, starting in, what was my first? I'm going to guess 1980 was my first. And I went to both every four years. Geez, forever, until fairly recently. But, but I was always... Now, what happened in between sessions? That's a different story. They each had their different flavor socially, if you know what I mean. But I was always more excitable during the Democrat convention because there was so much more to hate. So there was more to say and a more excitable way and manner in which to say it, right? And this time, I feel the same way. And I can't explain to you why, but I feel very differently coming off the Republican convention than, than normally I would. Maybe is that because I, I didn't feel as enthusiastic during the RNC? Or 
the notion of voting for someone about whom I have doubts? I don't know. Is it taking a toll on us? I don't know. I don't know. But let's concentrate on the DNC. Opening night, I think a flop. Now, I have a dog in this fight. So you tell me if you think it wasn't a flop. But being as objective as I can be, and I think I can be utterly objective, uh, I I think that, that, that last night was a flop for the Democrats. Some of the reasons why I wish to share with you. I hope you share back. It's only the right thing to do at one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. The question is, what did you see last night? What was your impression? Probably more precisely and thus important is the question: What do you think undecided voters saw last night? There are a lot of them. What do you think soft voters, undecided voters, saw last night? Because after all, that's what this is. Yes, it's a pitch. It's a pitch. It's a pitch by each party to undecided voters. The last thing in the world, if, if and when technology reaches a point that it can tell Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton... Here are the voters that absolutely support you. Nothing you can do to lose their support. You've got them. Nothing is going to change that. You would make no effort to, to speak to them at the convention. Not out of disrespect, out of common sense. Just like if someone could tell you, and this is what pollsters do. They just can't do it like Star Wars. They can't do it as precisely as we'd like. But they're you've got a really good pollster like Doug Schoen, you're, you're, you're right on the cusp of Star Wars. Just like if someone could tell you precisely, here are the voters who you cannot get. They hate your guts. You are the devil to them. You ain't getting them. No matter what you do or say, you just ain't getting them. Those would go into the same hopper as the ones that I've absolutely got, right? Because this entire thing is about trying to, yes, yes, solidify votes inclined toward you. But that's different than the people you absolutely have. That When you start to count on the Severn spectrum is when, well, I, I'm for Trump, but I'm not absolutely sure. Okay, you're immediately of concern to me. I'm programming to you. That's where that spectrum starts. And it continues across the political spectrum until I get to the point where I've got someone who says, well, I think I'm for Hillary, but I'm not yet sure. I'm programming to him or her. Until I push it one click further And I get to the point that they say, no, you know, I'm absolutely for Hillary or Bernie. Nothing can change that. And and and, and if I'm for Bernie, I'm not going to. The last thing I do is be for Trump. So there's no way I can get him or I've absolutely got him. Then 
Okay. I know to whom I needn't program. Last night's DNC opening was, the theme was, let's make America New York City again. Because that's really what it was. Let's make America Chicago. The theme of uh, opening night. Think about what people who were watching, who they are. Again, think about the spectrum represented by people who bother to watch the convention, right? Okay. Think about who was watching last night. Now think about the top one or two or maybe three. Let's not go crazy here. The top one or two or three things on their minds politically. The top one or two or three things about which they are angriest or most enthusiastic or feel a political party could do something about. We know the answers to those questions. We know Star Wars level the answers to those questions. Whether you are Republican or Democrat, your top three include jobs, that jobs slash the economy. The economy is what you talk about at cookouts. Jobs is what you talk about with your spouse. The economy, in your mind, is a term you use for polite company. The economy is not doing well if you have job insecurity. Meanwhile, the economy, whatever that is, seems to be doing damned fine if you have job security, right? So, jobs slash the economy. National security, safety, safety on our streets, i.e. law and order, safety for our nation, national security. Those are the two that both parties share. I don't believe there's anybody anywhere on the spectrum that doesn't care about those two enough to put them in their top two things, two or three things. You start to branch off after number two. And with conservatives, Republicans, you know, real Americans, you would get illegal aliens. You would get crimmigration would probably be your third thing. If you're a a Marxist, your third thing is probably not enough rings to put in my eyelids, nostrils, and lips to express my support for the LGBTDDSPHDAMNFNBBCSTDBBCSTDFDSENDFLOWERS MABA call me tomorrow. Uh, So we do slightly differ when it comes to those. But everyone's got something on their mind. And as I say, some of those things match. Let me do our first break here on this point. Last night there were how many speakers? You don't even want to know. Because it seemed like many more. There were 61 
speakers last night. 61 speakers last night. How many of them combined mentioned national defense, law and order, Islamist terrorism, ISIS, any of those things having to do with domestic law and order or international defense? Combined, what were the mentions of the 61 speakers? Answer, goose egg! This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Only with partners, you the best and brightest. 1 888 3393. 1 888 Believe it or not, eventually departed the podium last night. 61! And the beauty, the beautiful part of that is that this is such a typical Democrat event. You know, someone used to do a list every five years or so, the difference between Republicans and Democrats. One I remember is Democrats always... I'm sorry, Democrats never draw the blinds in their, you know, their bedrooms, their their personal rooms. Democrats never draw their blinds. Republicans always draw their blinds, though there's no reason to. There's nothing going on. Another one is Republican boys will almost always marry Republican girls. But they date Democrat girls first as they feel they're entitled to a little fun first. And any joke you could make about a timing, neatness, precision, planning, any of that, that that's really not a political joke, and it's neither is it a joke. It's, it's a matter of straight sociology. Straight demographics. When you tell 1,000 Republican delegates to be at a place at a time, they will all be there early. When you tell 1,000 Democrat delegates to be at a place at a time, about 72 will show up The earliest will be an hour and a half late. A third of them never got the message. Another third slept through it. Another third couldn't read the message because it was in English. Last night, 61 speakers came to the podium. And the reason I love that 
is because when I watched the clock and I looked at the schedule, I knew they were going to screw themselves. That is, and the Democrats always do this. They always do it. They are so disorganized. They are so disorganized as a, as a group of people, as individuals, let alone a party. This is so customary. It's so predictable. They always screw their nominee and their best speakers out of the best times. By the time they get finished putting on the assistant police commissioner from Sacramento to complain about racism, they push the schedule so far off its joints that you end up getting... I remember there was one Democrat nominee who got to speak. This was his acceptance speech. He went on at, I think, 1 o'clock in the morning. No one saw it. They blew the entire week. Last night was night one of the DNC. And Bernie Sanders spoke for the only time. Their big attraction... Bernie Sanders, he didn't go on until after 11 o'clock. He didn't open his mouth until after 11 o'clock. Now, you'd say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, if you're young, that's not late. But America has a certain schedule. And if you're over 50, once it gets to be 11 whatever primetime show programming you've been watching, you know, you might watch the local news, you might not. I mean, but, you know, let's not kid ourselves. You can look this up. You can look at the ratings by hour of how many eyeballs, how many human beings are alive and watching TV. When you push past 11 o'clock, it drops off like a stone off a cliff. And on night one, they could not get Bernie on before 11 o'clock. I love it. I love it. What I also love, though it makes me sick, is that none of the 61, 61 speakers came to that podium and mentioned ISIS or Islamist terrorists or law and order or supporting our police officers. Tonight, however, on night two, don't worry, the DNC is expected to mention law enforcement officers, although they won't be known by that name. No, they'll be known as murdering racist cops, because tonight is law enforcement, or I should say anti-law enforcement night at the DNC. And tonight, the star speakers are the mothers of young, mostly felons, uh, killed while police officers attempted to do the job we pay them to do. Instead of a night dedicated to law enforcement, and law enforcement officers, tonight the Democrats are going to have a night which 
is scheduled to feature anti-law enforcement. It's going to have the so-called victims of murderous racist cops. That ought to really help with that swing vote. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash Glenn, casper.com slash Glenn. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest. Let me finish quickly, and we're going to the phones. Let me uh, finish this point. Tonight is the anti-law enforcement night at the DNC. I, I, I believe I've got that right. And it's going to feature the victims of murdering racist cops, quote unquote. Now, bear in mind, I don't care which side you're on. I mean, I do care, but for the purposes of this question, think of it this way. If you agree that most people believe that law and order, that public safety, is an issue, and I promise you a vast majority of the pool of all voters, some stronger, some weaker, but among all voters, the vast majority believe that law and order is a a good thing to be desired. Okay, tonight, because they so utterly failed last night with any winning message of any kind, And because Donald Trump is out today with the VFW, establishing, for the first time ever, a veteran hotline at the White House, which I'll talk about in a moment, the combination, the contrast, this could be the night that loses it for Hillary. You can't win it on any given night at, at at a national convention, but you can lose it. With one speaker, one moment, one mistake, can lose it. Not one statement you can make can win it for you, for sure. But absolutely, you can lose the campaign with one speaker or statement or misstep. If tonight 
the Democrats offer America what appears to be what is taken as an anti-cop, an anti-cop message, and more generally an anti-law and order message, this could be the thing, the night, that loses it for Hillary Clinton. This could be the night. If Donald Trump becomes president, this could be the night that does it. Very quickly, the hotline. No one will talk much about this for a while. But it's a great idea and a great gamble. Donald Trump says he's going to establish a hotline at the White House for vets so they receive the care and attention they so richly deserve. It's a lovely rhetorical line. Have you any idea how much time and money and staffing? And that's fine for me. This is what government's for. Raise my taxes. Take $5 a week more from me. Do you know how much money you'd have if you took $5 a week from everybody who worked? Enough to establish this hotline center on Mars. So it doesn't, it's not going to cost any more money, higher taxes. But if it did, here's my extra $5 every week for those who served. But Trump is going to establish, he says, he says, a, a veteran hotline in the White House. Now, the political end of this, I want you to know, is deep. Because the New York Times and the Washington Post, some young snot writers are waiting right now to get their first Pulitzer. And it's going to be, they see, they think, on this story. This is a very big gamble. Because if Donald Trump promises a veteran hotline in the White House, and if he doesn't do it, and do it soon, and if it doesn't work, if they can find three guys who will say, yeah, it took me an hour to get through, and I left a message, and they never called me back, or it took them six weeks to call me back, And meanwhile, I died. This is a very great thing to do. It's a great idea. But it carries with it the greatest of political risks. And you know what? Good. Good. You want to be president? Take the risks. Do the things that count. Do the things that matter. This matters. A hotline in the White House for vets. Immediate service. Immediate complaint review. Immediate attention. Here's my money. Do it. But if you do it, oh, good God, you had better do it. Because they will paper the walls of the National Press Club with the Pulitzer Prizes awarded for impeaching the president who says he's going to have a VETS national hotline in the White House and then doesn't 
or screws it up in the slightest way. But you know what? Take a chance for once on something good, on something great. Tony from California. No, yes. Tony? This is Tony. Tony, welcome. I'm sorry. I should have been a pharmacist uh, because I or a doctor because I cannot read my own handwriting. So uh, (laughs) anyway, thank you for your patience, sir. Yeah, just so you know, I'm not a constructionist right now. You're going to have a little bit of background noise. I just wanted to no comment problem. last night. Um, I watched that. Yeah, it's middle, middle America calling right now. Um, I wanted to comment last night. I was really surprised at how blind, what a blind eye these people have to what is really going on in the world and in our country. I heard several people say last night that our country is just hunky-dory and it's on the best track that it could possibly be on. Yep. And we've done nothing yep. to move in the right direction. And everything is great, and everything is fine and dandy. And the only thing we've done wrong, Tony, the only thing we've done wrong is that we have not, we've been too slow to make the country diverse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and and the people in this world, and our country, fail to realize how important it is to understand that diversity is not about our, our skin color or where we're from. The diversity we want in our country is ideas. The diversity of ideas is important. We've got to let everybody in. We've got to let everybody be, have their freedom. We've got to let everybody be who they're going to be. But the main thing we've got to do is come together and be first and foremost Americans. And what's going on last night at DNC, they didn't bring anybody together at all, not a step for them. But we've got to look at it this way. Both the Republicans and the Democrats, when they speak, they speak to their own constituents. They're not speaking to the other side, and that's where I think we're failing. We need to be able to speak to the other side as well, because I keep hearing top flies matter and top flies matter. Very important. They do. But I've heard many speeches given, and many, many people talk about this, but they got to understand the black lives do matter, too. They, they, they are important. And you understand what I'm saying? It's like we have to both sides. We have to be open to both sides. I do, but I uh, here's why I am, am a partisan. Both sides do not behave responsibly. The they message, don't. the message of the nothing that was said, virtually nothing said at the RNC, should be found objectionable. It seems to me by any law-abiding, English-speaking, working American. There's nothing there because that agenda says here's where we are we're we've fallen behind in some areas let's improve you know let's let's pull together and do this but the democrat message is aimed toward people who don't have anything and they want your stuff without working for it so the entire agendas are different the democrat agenda is okay here's what we do to get more more uh to raise taxes (laughs) So we can create more free programs for more free stuff and work against the bigots who say that that's wrong, you know, because that's racism. It's, it's, it's completely two different views of America. And though they ought to be, though, the Tony, the views of both fundamental views of both parties ought to differ, but be fundamentally both American. They're yeah. not right now. And uh, you're absolutely right. You know, I got to get back to work. But one thing I want to say, 
Last night, Michelle Obama said something pretty scary to me and for my children. She said, we want to form your children. We want them to take their lessons from us. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't. Have you ever seen a woman? What she was saying? Tony, do you ever see a woman who's been so. Do you ever see a woman who's been so blessed by her race? America. Who is still so obsessed (laughs) with it? She is race obsessed. And by the way, I know I have to get back to work, but let me tell you so that you know you didn't waste your time. You did witness something historic last night. Do you know what you saw that was historic? What's that? You saw the first speech in Michelle Obama's presidential campaign. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's even scarier than this what we got going on now. Sorry, because I know now you're going to go back to the job site and look for something sharp and try to plunge it into your neck. Yeah, I hear you. Well, God bless you. God bless United States of America. You have a great day. Tony, thank you so very much. We'll be right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Do you know, do you know how much it means to one person, in this case, me, do you know how much it means to one person when one other person cares enough about what we're talking about to call or to write in. Do you know what it means to me when Tony, he's on a job site. He's working hard for a living. He's listening to the show. He's breaking his ass at a job site. And he held for 20 minutes longer. Got his stuff totally together. Gave us his honest American opinion on it. And then he had to go back to the job site. That Tony would take time out of his day doing what he's doing to call us is something I will always carry with me. I will always carry with me. And you too. It's just that every once in a while... A particular message or word or circumstance makes me realize that this is a a special privilege 
And uh, thank you. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Professional lesbian, and I don't say that to uh, in any way mock or belittle the uh, L B G T Q dish cable. AM and FM, BBC, STD, uh, PhD community. I really don't. But Sarah Silverman is, what did Rush call her earlier? Uh, He called her a a barroom comedian. That's what she is. Sarah Silverman's a barroom comedian. And is to the degree she is successful. I don't know. Is she successful? Is she successful because we know her name? But okay. Well, I, I, I'll concede. Dave, she's successful? All right. Dave says so. Good enough for me. Uh, I'll, uh, I couldn't possibly know her name if she weren't successful because I'm not in her demo. I'm not in her age group, you know. But she really has made her professional name on, on her sexual this is practice. Jay Severin. Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Well, as Dave and I were just discussing, it isn't easy to herd cats. It isn't easy to put on these conventions. Some are more difficult than others. Democrat conventions are always more difficult than Republican conventions because the people there are dumber and more arrogant and believe that they've got a right to speak as long as they wish whenever they want, including when they show up 45 minutes late from dinner. So it's bound to be a rodeo gone bad, gone really bad. And tonight is the very big night. Tonight, Hillary Clinton gets her nomination. Tonight, Bill Clinton speaks. He could still be speaking when we're here together tomorrow. There's every reason something could go badly wrong tonight. All we can do is pray that it does. Excelsior!
I'm uh, typing in Bill Clinton too long Dem Nom speech. Just maybe we'll get lucky here. Let me see. Uh, no, 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 no. It shouldn't. <laughs> Three reasons why Bill Clinton ought not speak at the Democrat convention. Uh, his 10th convention speech. No. No. Bill Clinton. Okay. I can't. It's not on the first. It's not on the first page. Uh, and I hope one of you will tell me. But I believe that the first time that Bill Clinton spoke at a convention, I think he spoke for like, was it like an hour and 38 minutes? It was, no, no, it was truly, somebody, come on, somebody look it up. It was an ungodly amount of time. And I remember making one of the most, well, well, uh, least important, except about a most important figure in politics. But I remember proving my fallibility with that speech because I was watching it with friends. And when Bill Clinton said, and in conclusion... And the entire hall erupted in in derisive applause. When he said, in conclusion, everyone was screaming, Yay, get off, shut up, finally! And I said at that moment, Well, I hope he enjoyed every minute of this because he will never again, he will never again speak to a Democrat convention. And Guru Jay must have been teething or something. But I couldn't have been more wrong because tonight Bill Clinton addresses his 10th Democrat National Convention. So we'll see. Uh, I'm Jay Severin. You're the best and brightest. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three, as they say in sports talk. Oh, look, I have we have a line open. That's what they always say when it's two thirty in the morning, and they have twenty three lines open because you're instructed never to say that you have more than one line open, and only rarely to admit to one line. So look, we have one line open. Uh, <clears throat> one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Now. I I reiterate that if when you invite to speak the mothers of young black men who died as a result of encounters with police, it doesn't matter whether the police were black or white, and one of the gruesome ironies tonight will be though I doubt it will ever be mentioned, is that some of these young men died at the hands of black policemen. Almost all of them, not all, almost all of them, died in the act of committing a felony, which is how 
virtually all people who die as a result of civilian police contact die. They die because they're committing felonies. They die because they fail to yield to the legitimate, proper, authorized authority which we, we, vest in our police officers. Stop. Pull over. What's your name? Let me see your license and registration. Have you been drinking? These are all sort of the basic, you know, do you have drugs on you? Have you been taking drugs? Do you have a gun on you? These are basic questions we are, we vest in our police officers to ask in order that people don't kill you and me. Are there any of those questions you've just heard that you would rather police not be allowed to ask? I remember a case in college which probably cost me perfectly good ass. A friendship. A friendship, I mean. Uh, that I remember we were sitting in, the, in, the, in a common room. Our common room was pretty uncommon, actually. Uh, it was beautiful. But w- w- the television was on. Great big TV. And... Uh, A case decision uh, by the Supreme Court was announced, and I could tell you the case very quickly, uh, 10 seconds or less. Beverly Hills, or Belmont, there's Beverly Hills, 3 o'clock in the morning, a partially dressed, as I, I, now we're going back 30 years, but a partially dressed, essentially disheveled-looking young man of color was walking, uh, weaving, off and on the roadway. There are no sidewalks in Beverly Hills. So you have to think of it as a suburb with these uh, expansive lawns and great houses, but there are no sidewalks. There are no what we'd call public spaces. So this young man of color is kind of weaving, stumbling on and off the front lawns, across the front lawns of various homes, making his way, I guess, in a general direction, from what I recall. And whether it was part of a routine police patrol of the community or whether they received a call from a concerned neighbor, I don't recall that either. All I know is a, 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 a marked police unit pulled over and asked him, what's your name? What are you doing here? Do you live near here? I remember crystal clear those were three questions they may not have been the only ones, but the, the, there were three questions certainly included. What's your name? Uh, what are you, what are you uh, what are you up to? 
what are you doing? It's 3.30 in the morning, and you're, you don't have any shoes or any shirt, and you're weaving across these lawns. Do you, is this your house? I mean, do you live here? Because had he, the police officers would have said, you know, could you have some ID? And if the ID matched the address, they would have said, okay, are, are you okay? You need anything? Well, have a good night, sir. What else are they going to do? Well, this went to the, the young man in question resisted the police inquiries. He would not answer any questions. He would not give his name. He would not give his ID. He would not answer any question of the police. And so the police took him into custody. And he was brought before a judge and asked those questions again. And he still would not answer. The case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that in this case, and I, I, I ought to reread the, the opinion in this case, but the bottom line was that the young man was right. The police were wrong that they had no right to ask him at 3.30 in the morning in the middle of a residential neighborhood where he was, you know, wandering around disheveled looking and not entirely coherent, whether he lived nearby or what his name was or what he was doing there. No, the police did not have that right. Well, if I went wild, by the way, the college story was I jumped up and went wild and it didn't make me particularly popular among my my little schoolmates, as you might imagine. But my point raising it tonight is, tonight when it's hate cops night at the DNC, if the general message, and it won't be presented this way, I only wish it could. I only wish I could tell this story. I only wish I could reread the case and then tell this story. But the fact of the matter is, anybody of any color, anywhere, at any time, who dies as a result of contact with police officers, 99.9% of the time, the police are right, the deceased is wrong, the deceased was doing something wrong, the police were doing something right, and if Americans who vote can get, get, which side of this the Democrats are on, the Democrats can't win. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Managing partner emeritus, Rock A of the Cosmos, is on the line. Hey, baby. What's up? Hey, Jay, my friend. I couldn't help it. You asked a question, and I found the answer, and you said you had one line open, so I decided to shut the lawnmower <laughs> off and come and answer the question. 
So I've got a, a <laughs> good for you. I can't believe it was here. still open for you. I'm glad. <laughs> it says Bill Clinton got a few thousand things off of his chest tonight, and the the uh, date of the article is September 6th of 2012. And it starts off. It says in 1988, Bill Clinton gave a speech at the Democratic National Convention that was so long that the crowd composed of a few Democrats cheered when he said the words. In conclusion, <laughs> right, right, right. That's, so the the original, the original original was 1988. I know it was a long time. Not well, yeah. wasn't the one I'm talking about wasn't 2012. Right. He was he was uh, governor then, and that speech was 33 minutes long. But uh, the date of this speech in 2012 was 48 minutes long, and they said huh. that the difference was. Before he was the governor, and that's when they cheered for in conclusion. And the forty-eight. I remember that. Long, I, I remember that. And the thing is, isn't that funny? Because I, re- I, I, I remembered it is so much longer and all that. Anyway, what did you, Rock? Was, did you watch any of last night? I watched uh, Bernie Sanders, and that that was about it. I I, uh, <laughs> I I really was hoping for. The same kind of thing I was hoping for with Cruz. I was hoping that he would kind of stick it to Hillary, but which leads me to something that I wanted to say. I have a dream, Jay. I've got this dream. It's a wonderful dream. And this is what it is. When Hillary comes out, Bernie Sanders people start and boo and boo and jeer, and it just builds and it becomes just a rowdy, rowdy bunch of the, the whole DNC explodes <laughs> in booing Hillary. I know you can you can bring me down now, but it was a fun. No, I, I don't wish to. I, I only that as your dear friend to say to you, I, I hope you have a backup plan because I, <laughs> you know, they're going to do everything they can to stifle that. But of course, that's what you want. That's what I want. I know, I know. I just had to share it though. It just seems so fun. <laughs> wouldn't hey, how about this how about how about and this gives me a chance to wrap up something that i uh misread the clock about earlier sarah cool. silverman again I, I say she's made herself a professional lesbian because whether she's funny or not and a lot of people think she is she didn't get f- famous is is she famous i don't know but whatever degree of celebrity she enjoys rock was not because She's a lesbian. But once she got a certain degree of celebrity, she worked and worked and worked that. You know, she just just worked that. Like, that's almost her act now, you know, that she's a a lesbian. And all of that's fine. It's none of my business. If you like her, you like her. I, I don't, but who cares? But when she stood up last night, again, given her background, her background is, as Rush called her, she's a barroom comedian who has sort of directed everybody at the fact that, look at me, look at me, I'm a lesbian, look, right. look, look, right. okay? That's that's from whence her authority, if you will, derives. And last night she yeah. stood up and said, you Bernie or bust people, you're ridiculous. I love it. I'm offended. I love it. You know... I'm I'm like, uh, you know, I don't understand democratic thinking. I mean, I, I can predict it. I know it when right. I see it. 
I, I don't understand the difference between boy brain, girl brain, because I'm not one of them. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's the, uh, the Silverman and the lesbian, it, the whole Democratic, you know, like you were saying earlier about they're going to be a bunch of dissing on the cops and bringing in these people who they're going to hold them up high who have no reason to be held up high. I, I just know that I just see it as a defective, defective thinking. And the Silverman you're talking about sounds like she's got a good dose of defective thinking there. Yeah, I just think that she, it's not like I'd be offended because I was called a name by a lesbian. I don't care. I'm not talking about someone's gender. I'm extremely open-minded about all of that. I just mean that in order to have the authority, the presumed authority, to stand up at a podium at, at one of the great national conventions and address a group of people and say, you're ridiculous, shouldn't you have more of a political pedigree than being a com- comedian yeah. who's funny for lesbian humor? I, I, it, it's, you know, sort of a, it's sort of a shallow outlook on life, isn't it? When <laughs> It goes back to that when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. As you said, yes. It's just hard to take criticism. It's easier to take criticism from someone who, you know, has a resume, I think. Yeah. It's like a doctor. You know, I could care less about somebody's sexual orientation unless it influences me. I mean... Right, unless uh, it ruins your Saturday night. Right. (laughs) If a, if a lesbian calls me a name, but, you know, heck, what do I care? <laughs> There's no opportunity <laughs> there anyway. So. Rocky, <laughs> I'm in the three-second countdown. You stick if you want. Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Now, I just received a, before we uh, return to Rocky, well, l- let's let's get back to Rocky. Rocky, welcome back. Hey there, Jay. I'm always concerned about saying anything that's not true. So, uh, I, I have a, uh, and you may be familiar with him, there is a, uh, uh, there is a, tweep uh kind of a nutty tweep we have and um and he's he's not not happy with me nor you for that matter but uh, i take that as an honor i i I hope i hope you do so anyway and he he just he just said to me sarah silverman is not a lesbian and i i wrote back to him okay in as much as you are I do trust you will not take exceptional umbrage, you know, to my mistake. <laughs> uh, and then I started to try to really quickly look up stuff about Sarah Silverman because maybe I have it wrong. The inter- the mo- most interesting thing about this in the end, by the way, is uh, not whether or not she is uh, whatever sexual orientation is. Is yeah, in the end not, not really the most important. It's the most important to me 
because I don't ever want to say anything inaccurate. And if I ever find out I say anything inaccurate, I want to correct it. I want to apologize for it. So since the circumstances under which I could determine by the empirical method whether or not she is uh, uh, lesbian are unlikely to occur, I think, any time presently. I think the only gentlemanly thing for me to do is say to Sarah Silverman, I it, I might be wrong, or it, I have no evidence to support my claim, and therefore I must assume, therefore my claim is uh, uninformed and therefore unjust. And so I say to Sarah Silverman, uh, I am sorry. Uh, until I learn more or otherwise... I am sorry. Now, you had the major point, which is it doesn't matter what her sexual orientation is. My point, uh, which I regard as the most interesting one in the lot, is that had this been 25 years ago, somebody who called somebody else homosexual could be sued for slander. But but that's not true anymore, and very few people know this. A fairly quiet but major ruling by the United States Supreme Court approximately 10, I'm going to say 10 years ago, 12 years ago, said that inasmuch as America is now saying by acclamation that there is absolutely nothing wrong with any sexual orientation. Therefore, the claim that someone is by way of sexual orientation, an A or a B or a C or a D, um, cannot be regarded as legally actionable. So the difference is in the law of libel, if I say about somebody... That guy's a thief and a drunk and a homosexual. It used to be that if he was none of those things, he could sue the ass off me. But now, <laughs> you, you, it, if, if he is homosexual, then he can't sue me. It's not actionable because it's now believed that if you say about someone that they are homosexual and you say it in public. And even if it's untrue, it's not actionable because it's not regarded as something that's damaging because it's, it's all okay. So where's the, where are the damages? The court said, if it's okay to be homosexual, then you can't sue someone for saying almost that you're homosexual. Interestingly, if you call someone a thief, you'd better be able to produce a police record that shows thieving. And if you call them a drunk, and that one's even more problematic, you know, you bet better be able to produce, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, private records. I don't know how you get them, you know, that say the person is an, an alcoholic. So the, the real worry 25 years ago would have, would have been, gee, I don't want anyone to sue me. And now the principal motive is, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. So, it didn't matter when the show began. 
to me what her sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter to me now. It didn't matter in between. But I thought, my impression, maybe I have her mixed up with someone else. I thought she was a young comedian, part of whose shtick was that she was gay yeah. or uh, or have, bi- bisexual. I Isn't she... Do I I incorrectly recollect that she makes a lot of jokes about her orientation? Did did she not offer to, and I'm quoting, did she not offer to scissor, which I'm told is a medium of of sex, uh, the the scissoring between two women? Did she not offer to scissor? Sheldon Adelson, if he would give her money like he's giving to Newt Gingrich in the last election? I, I don't know about that, but right in front of me here, Wikipedia, um, uh, Sarah Kate Silverman is a stand-up comedian, actress, producer, writer. Her comedy addresses social taboos, controversial topics such as racism, sexism, and religion. And her Well, that doesn't... In, endorses... Well, Right there, if that's her, if that's her business, I mean, whoever's out there that's getting upset with you and me, you know, they need to figure out why they're butthurt about it because that's her vocation, just to to actually well, do that. So I, I'm so going to include you, and you can you can divorce yourself from it if you wish. I oh, I no. wish to apologize I'm, to Sarah Silverman if if for any insinuations I have made as to her sexual orientation, and I really couldn't care less uh, about it one way or the other, but uh, I ought not be making such insinuations, if or any insinuation, that's false. And the only way you can tra- treat a false insinuation is to, the moment you think it might be false, is to say so and to apologize unconditionally, which I do. Well, I'll do the same, but... It, it seems like uh, we've come to the point where uh, sexual orientation. There's so many, so many types, and so many things. I mean, it's impossible not to hurt people's feelings anymore. I mean, <laughs> for goodness' sakes, if you're looking at a man and he decides that he's not a man today, he's Alice today, and you address him wrong, right. somebody's going to try to sue you for that. It's like it, the, the government has gotten itself into making so darn many rules. We can't win, and you're going to be guilty no matter what you do. Like I said, well, I have to find out more about this because I'm very rarely my 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 sense about public persons, you know, and their shtick is very rarely incorrect. And uh, so, if I've gotten this wrong, other than apologizing, I'd like to I'd like to know why I was wrong, if I was wrong. But uh, that's for another. Another matter. Yeah. Since we have limited have... time, and you involuntarily only submitted yourself to this whole thing about who's gay and who isn't, <laughs> how about you I'm talk about something this. you want to talk about? Okay, I I got something here. Um, so um, I heard from a reliable source. This is going to sound goofy because I can't remember who the source is, but I heard from what I thought was a reliable source that Bernie actually never formally suspended. Suspended his campaign. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. he never suspended. So, so, uh, like, what's up with that? 
you got Bernie and his big speech, and he gets cheered, and he never suspended, and you had Ted who gets booed, who gets suspended just for not kissing the ring. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I think it's a very sharp observation, but I wouldn't put anything in it, Rocky, because I don't, I can't imagine what it means other than the obvious. I mean, uh, there is a constellation, uh, just a vast constellation of legal reasons why you maybe want to be, you know, technically still a candidate, but only highly technically in terms of tax reasons and the ability to uh, take money in and all of that. And beyond that, you know, you just never know. It may be what do you, you just never know. So for that reason alone, if there's no compelling reason to suspend your campaign, why would you do it? I'm kind of still feeding my dream about Hillary getting food. You know, this thing where they released the emails that uh, incriminated uh, Debbie Blabbermouth Soltz. That, yes. Uh, what would just be interesting? I mean, the timing of that shows definitely that somebody released it at the most critical time. Well, do you know? Um, do you know the Julian Assange latest? Uh, he said that uh, it wasn't the Soviet Union; that it was uh, something else. He, he didn't attribute it to the. There was no evidence that it was the Soviet right. Union. Right. Okay, then you don't have it because you would have buried your lead and you wouldn't have done that. The latest Julian Assange, as of this morning. Uh, is heard it on the BBC. I have to be published. He didn't say when. I have to be published records of Hillary Clinton's correspondence in email <laughs> that will that that will, and this is a secondhand quote. The person reporting this, and I'll tell you who, who it was, it was Rush. Rush said earlier today that Assange said, I have to be published, yet published, but for the purpose and intention of publishing, Clinton emails that will definitely result in her being arrested, end quote. Yes. I have the dreams, eh? I have the dreams. <laughs> I, I still have the dream I'm clinging to. It sounds really great. And, and Rocky, I have a dream, which is the microphone will be on when I come here tomorrow. And based on the way I've been treating the clock this hour, that dream, unlike your own, will not come true. If I don't thank you, say goodbye. <laughs> See you on email later. Goodbye, Gotta go. Friend. Goodbye. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Back with you, best and brightest, Brian from Massachusetts. We've got limited time. Brian knows this. I want him to have it. Brian, welcome. Thanks, Jay. Hey, uh, real quick, how much do you think Bill's going to make during tonight's speech? Bill Clinton. Yes. 
indirectly hundreds of millions because of the Clinton Crime Family Foundation, the ability of him to go raise money around the world is dependent and absolutely derivative of his being, uh, of his keeping up his star power, if you will. So that's how he gets his phone calls from a prince in Dubai or a Russian oil oligarch answered. The minute he falls out of what's perceived to be the power circle, he doesn't get those audiences or phone calls and hence cannot command the speaking fees and the donations at the power circle level. Well, I'd have to be inclined to agree with you. But uh, to my point, um, it seems like yesterday I watched a lot of the the RNC, uh, sorry, the DNC convention yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be watching some of it today. It seems to me that their ongoing theme is uh, pandering towards criminals, really, because yesterday they had a number of illegal immigrants. Today they're having the uh, the mothers of family members who were committing illegal yep. acts when they were killed. Um, it, it, this whole campaign just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it, I, I, it, it, that that campaign being what? I defined it as we our biggest single crime is we're failing to recognize quickly enough that what's wrong with America is that we're not yet diverse enough and inclusive well, enough. Well, see, they uh, they seem to be bringing a whole bunch of people. You know, you got the first uh, Cuban guy to do this, the first Mexican lady to do this, and right. they're talking about all these uh, all these firsts and all this uh, all this diversity, like like it's a qualifying factor, like affirmative action is now important in everything, and you need right. somebody to represent every demographic in the world somewhere in government right. otherwise whereas not right. you and i and most american voters don't don't give a flying shite we care about jobs about safety about national defense about illegal immigration exactly you know it, and that's that's what i get that's what i don't get i mean we're, we're going for america here we're not going for the world you know and uh hillary seems to be talking like all these illegal immigrants can already vote when they can't really do that yet. And that's fine to me. If she wants right. to pander to people right. who, have, who will make no difference, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, but people need to keep in mind that if she is become, if she, if she's elected president, she's going to hire a justice. She'll appoint a justice who will make all these people legal and give them the ability to vote. We will never see Absolutely. a Republican president again. Absolutely. The difference is, Brian, and this could be a good sign, we are trying to appeal to votes we don't have. We're obviously trying to solidify our base, but we're trying to reach out to votes we don't have. Every word, every nuance of the DNC so far, and wait until tonight, is the other people. On the Blaze Radio Network.